Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. And this is Heart Health Radio live on Saturday at noon on our flagship station, FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF, and along the Heart Health Radio Network in Charlotte and Greensboro and Goldsboro and a lot of other places. I heard of Mongolia, too. In Mongolia. Well, they can listen in Mongolia, WPTF.com. They can. And Facebook yeah. Live comes to Mongolia. Welcome <laughs> to my Facebook Live watchers. Yeah. It's good to have you aboard. Listen, we've got a bunch of things to talk about. Uh, this, uh, the sad news from the last 24, 48 hours, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away. If you're listening in another uh, city other than Raleigh, you might have noticed that that happened last week. That's because of the one-week delay on the right. show. But, you know, we're, we're up on things. Uh, we're up on COVID vaccine news and heart disease and the pandemic. There are two good reasons why heart disease – well, it's not good reasons, but two – Reasons why heart disease is statistically worse right now. Yeah, COVID made a big impact on heart disease and a negative impact on the incidence of all sorts of different types. Telephone number here is 919-860-9783. And Phil, welcome. How you doing? I'm doing fine. Thanks for taking my call. Terrific. Hey, What's going on? I have a couple of cholesterol questions. One is, is there any way to improve the good cholesterol? Mine's always in the 30s, and I can't find any way to improve it. Well, that is one of the most insightful questions I've had. Uh, what's good and what's bad? LDL, low-density lipoprotein, it's a collection of junky stuff. Cholesterol and fats floats around in your bloodstream. The higher the level the greater the chance of having heart disease. If you have heart disease, the lower the level, and there is no low. Mine's mm-hmm. 11, okay? Mm. Normal's about 90 to 100. It reduces the risk of either getting heart disease in the first place or having another attack if you've had one. HDL, high-density lipoprotein, if it's high, mm-hmm. you have a lower risk of heart disease. If it's low, you have a higher risk. It seems, and this is sort of a, what we all think, is that the LDL sticks it in the plaque. You know, the cholesterol build up the clog in the pipe. HDL takes it out. So if you have a high HDL, statistically, you have a lower risk. Here's the problem in trying to raise it. Now, there are things that we can naturally do to raise it. Exercise is a big one. Um, staying away from the no-no diet things, sugar, white flour products, etc., seems to raise it. But we, we've tried to raise it with chemicals, okay, with all these sorts of drugs. They found one that raises the HDL or the good cholesterol a whole bunch. But guess what? It not only didn't work, yeah. it gave you a higher risk of heart attack. So what I would do, Phil, is not worry about your HDL. Do you have heart disease or are you just trying to prevent it? No, I don't have any heart disease. Okay. The key thing that I would do is, what do they say, the mafia? Forget about it. Because you can't do anything about it. 
Now, what can you do? All the things that we've talked about to lower your LDL, stay away from processed foods uh, that have white flour and sugar, stay away from the inside of a white potato, stay away from white rice. Exercise. Uh, and by that, I don't mean become Arnold Schwarzenegger, okay? I mean walk 40 minutes, five times a week, stop, smell the roses, then get walking again. <laughs> and then, you know, don't smoke. Um, and control your blood pressure and your sugar if you have high blood pressure or diabetes. But the LDL is really all you need to be concerned about. And why is that? Because we can do something about it, you know? Why worry about something you really can't affect and change the numbers, change your LDL? Because it's been proven. You get your LDL down and the lower risk of heart attack is yours. Phil, anything else? Yes, actually, part two of that question was I asked my doctor about two years ago um, what test he thinks I ought to take that insurance wouldn't cover. He suggested the calcium scoring test. Yeah, let me tell you about that. That's a great idea. And the problem is they still don't cover it. Now, I've been looking at coronary calcium since 1992. They had a CT scans were kind of slow back then. So the heart would move in between the slices and you really couldn't see anything. So they came up with this ultra fast CT, a different way. And we could finally see the calcium on the arteries. And then we proved, I was part of the study, the higher the amount of calcium, the greater the amount of a heart attack. So our whole concept was get a calcium score. And there was this guy named Gaston. I don't know who he was, but he's some guy. Mm-hmm. And he came up with this scoring protocol. And if you had 50 um, score, you were low risk. If you had a 500 score, you were high risk. If you had a 1,000 score, he said, don't buy any green bananas. Okay? <laughs> so okay. the problem is we've had all these studies that prove it, and Medicare won't pay for it. Blue Cross Blue Shield won't pay for it. Because there was another study that showed if you did a calcium score, you got a stress test when you didn't need it, and you got a heart cath when you didn't need it. Because the calcium score doesn't necessarily say you got a tight blockage that needs a stent, uh-huh. but it does say if your calcium score is high and you get with the program, right. then you have a lower risk of a heart attack. So yes, I think a calcium score is the number one thing for us to do. But unfortunately, well, my- they're going to pay for it. Now, here's the kicker, okay? If you get a regular chest CT nowadays, they'll give you a calcium score. So for suppose you're short of breath or suppose you've got a hacking cough that's not, not going away. Yeah. And you get a CT scan. Uh-huh. And then say, hey, by the way, tell me if I got cancer, but also give me my calcium score. They'll do it and insurance will pay for it. But it's like going in the back door. Now, what we as cardiologists are trying to do is get them to pay the 100 bucks, which is what a calcium score costs you. If you're really interested in doing it, what you can do is call up Wake Radiology, call up uh, Raleigh Radiology, and say, hey, I want to pay cash for a calcium score. Yay, man, yes. Will you do it? And you know what? They're going to do it. And then, you, well, then, then offer them 100 bucks, and I bet they take it. Well, I actually did have it done, and my score was 103. And how old are you, sir? 69. Well, you're in good shape. at the time. Yeah, you're in good shape. So everybody is going to get some calcium. Now, that's not true. I just made a, a fib. 
I got a 92-year-old who has a calcium score of zero. Okay? Wow. If you're 24 and you've got a calcium score of 100, that's bad. Yeah. Because that means you've developed atherosclerosis at a young age. 100 puts you in that risk category that's low but not zero. So if you're – let me tell you about – can I tell you about my calcium score real quick? Yeah, so, go ahead. So I had – they thought I had cancer in my armpit. That's a bad place to have cancer because yeah. it's usually a sarcoma that's going to kill you. Oh, my gosh. So I got a, I got a CT scan. They said, hey, it's not cancer. But yeah. you got coronary calcium in your widowmaker. Oh, no. Yeah, so that's the left anterior descending. Now, my calcium score was 50. But, you know, I'm a cardiologist, and I kind of freaked out. So I got my LDL. And 178. I mean, that is in the catastrophic range. Really? So I went on Crestor, otherwise known as Rosuvastat, and got it down to 130. Mm-hmm. That's still above 70, which is the target for your LDL if you've got cholesterol buildup. And I do. It wasn't bad. I passed my stress test. So I went on this medication we've talked about, Repatha, and it works in a different way. It blocks the cholesterol receptor from being destroyed. Therefore, the receptors stay out and soak up all the LDL. So my cholesterol is 11 now. Wow. And it varies between 10 and 20, and then it goes back down to 11. So, Phil, if it goes up a little bit and goes down a little bit, don't worry. That's natural. Yeah. Two years later, I got another CT. I paid for a specific calcium score. Yeah. And I can't remember how much I paid. I can afford it. Unfortunately, some people can't. It was six. Wow. Yeah. So this is the key thing, and we're going to talk about another medicine that does this. But getting your LDL down. Now, my HDL stinks, Phil. My HDL is 30. But this goes to show you that if you really work on just the LDL, it'll work. So what's your LDL, Phil? That's the number one question. My my doctor actually prescribed atorvastatin 10 milligrams as a result of that. Well, but what was your but? But I want to know what the beginning LDL was, and then we're going to find out later on what your LDL is afterward. Okay, it was one hundred two. Okay, that's not bad. Okay, so you have early atherosclerosis for a sixty-nine-year-old man. The one hundred is not bad, but you're doing the right thing. You're getting it down. So sixty-four. Oh, great! You hit the jackpot. Yeah. So So you're down below seventy now. Let me tell you something. If you were my patient and I'm not your doctor, um, I had somebody just like you. I would consider getting it even lower because you're on a low dose. Now, what do statins do besides lower cholesterol? Remember the bugaboo that we've talked about with no-no diet is one big thing? The second bugaboo is inflammation. And believe it or not, the uh, statin will lower the risk of heart attack, not just by lowering your LDL but by preventing the inflammation that cracks open that chocolate-covered cherry-like blockage and causes a clot. So you might want to ask your doctor, and again, I'm not prescribing this. There may be reasons why he doesn't want to give you more, but 10 milligrams is what I call the baby dose, okay? Mm-hmm. And if you can get your cholesterol down lower, it is possible that if you got another calcium score in, say, two years, it'll be 50. Now, I can't promise that. And if the medical board is listening, I'm not prescribing or telling them what to do. But using you as an example, Phil, of a success story, okay, you're in a really big success story. And you're down to 60. (laughs) It's below 70. Get another calcium score. 
about two years from now. And Do you know what this sounds like to me? What? This sounds like finding out that Jennifer Aniston has had cosmetic surgery. Phil, you're you're really – this doctor is so excited about how successful you've yeah, been. No, Phil, you, you give yourself a pat on the back. <laughs> I tell you what, go out and get a hot fudge sundae. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, eat anything you want today, okay? Yeah, That's you have the- a dispensation from <laughs> Dr. Weefall. Phil, thank you. Take care of yourself. We appreciate it. Listen, we got Benny and Jerry. That's unusual that we've got both Ben and Jerry waiting, or Benny Come and Jerry. On. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not making it up. But right. Benny is a is a lady from Garner, and Jerry's from Wendell. But we've got no time to take them right now. We will, and Don't we will get you up. on in just a moment. Also, we're going to talk about heart disease and the pandemic. We're going to talk about a John Wayne film. That apparently was fatal. Not to those who watched the film, but those who worked on the well, film. Well, if they watched it in Utah. If they maybe. watched it where they filmed the movie. Amazing story. It might have been. It's an amazing story. And we're going to talk about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. RBG, notorious RBG. Um, we're sad. Uh, a lion of the Supreme Court, a great American, has died. But we also want to talk about her noble fight against three different cancers. All right, and that is on Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. Get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation by listening to this show. It's Heart Health Radio. Yeah. We have the shame segment. The music just played, and we're going to shame Mr. Biden for something that he said, which could not clinically be true, and why should we be having politicians talk specifically about medicine anyway? Right. That's and their problem. politicizing oh my dead people. Right. Benny in Garner, how are you? Fine, thank you. Terrific. What's going on today? Okay, I have a question for Dr. Weefall. Yes. About some medicine that the doctor wanted to give me, the cardiologist wanted to give me, because I have AFib once in a while. Uh-huh. And the side effects after I read the brochure that came with it, uh, it had so many, I decided not to take it. So right. I, I think that's an excellent question. Dr. Weefall for this medicine. Is it Eliquis? is. Is it Eliquis, Serelto? Dijoxin. Benny. Doctor's asking you, what kind of medicine was it? It is for uh, AFib. Yeah, is it a bleeding thing, the Eliquis? Zarelto? Uh I take, uh, let's see, I take Eliquis. That's yeah, what I okay, take. Let, me, let me just, this is a great question. Have, Dave, have you seen those commercials on TV for medications? Yes. It will do some great things for you. Right, right, but, right. But, right, right, and then right. they list a bunch of things that make you say, Yep. So Eliquis is a great medicine. Let me tell you your risk of AFib. Even if it only comes every now and then, AFib is when instead of a nice bub, 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 the mm-hmm. top part electrical movement in an organized fashion, going down to the bottom, making the heart beat in unison, the top part of your heart is in a continuous spasm every now and then. So what's the danger? A clot can form in one of the nooks and crannies in that upper chamber because the blood doesn't flow. Now, let me give you an example. If you ever had some bleeding and the blood pooled on your, on your table, you go back to it in a few minutes and it's a clog. It's a clot. And the same thing can happen in the upper part of your heart. 
And when that happens, it can break off and go to your brain and cause a stroke in the sense that you lose function, you can't speak. Now, Eliquis is a new kind of blood thinner. It's been around about five years. The old one that we used to use was warfarin, and that was rat poison, right? They kill rats with it. Why? Because they bleed to death. Well, we adjusted it according to a blood test. So you were not going to bleed too much, but not clot in the upper part of your heart. The nice thing about Eliquis, it works in a different way. It And if you really want to know, it prevents uh, factor 10 from clotting up your whole system. Of course. But what's the problem? Yes. You can bleed. Now, if you have an ulcer in your stomach or if you have a colon cancer or a colon polyp, having a little less um, clotting capability to prevent the clot in your heart that will cause a stroke Mm -hmm. can make it bleed. Now, I've had patients' lives saved by being on Eliquis because they had a little bit of bleeding. They found a colon cancer that they wouldn't have found, and they cut it out. Right. So side effects, they don't always happen. Now, if you compare warfarin in terms of its efficacy to Eliquis, Eliquis works better at preventing a stroke. And if you compare Eliquis to warfarin in terms of which causes more bleeding, Mm -hmm. warfarin causes more bleeding than Eliquis. So I'm going to say, Benny, if, you, if I had a patient just like you who was worried about that little paper they opened up and said, blah, 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 bleed to death, blah, blah, everything ends in death in one of those side effect profiles. Yeah. Ask your doctor, what's the risk? Okay, so the risk of you having a major bleed is less than 1%. Sure, it can happen. But the risk of you having a stroke, Benny, in the next five years is 10%. And if you've, have you ever seen anybody with a stroke, Benny? Oh, she's not there anymore. No, Benny is here, but has a hard time, I think, hearing okay. you. Yeah, Benny. I certainly do. Yeah, you've, now you've, have you ever seen someone who's had a stroke, Benny? Yes, I have. It's I not have. nice. This medicine is digoxin. Digoxin. Oh. Well, we've had another different whole thing that people have learned about eloquence. Digoxin is a poison, okay? And that's that's true. Um, Digoxin comes, it's one of our oldest medicines. It comes from foxglove, which is a herb or herb, as Mm -hmm. they see in England, where it was developed. And people used to chew on it, and it would help their heart failure. They called it dropsy where your heart doesn't pump well, and so it builds up fluid. Now, what he's using it for you, I guess, is to control how fast your atrial fibrillation goes. It is dangerous in the wrong hands. It has to be watched carefully because it can build up, especially if your kidneys don't work well. Um, You can build up a level that's toxic, and it can slow your heart down too much, And it can actually cause a really bad, dangerous rhythm. And you have to have your potassium checked because it has to work with potassium. Though we used to use it in heart failure, and they've recommended against it unless it's carefully um, monitored. In AFib, yeah, I do use it every now and then uh, because there are some people whose hearts are weak, so you can't use a medicine that we normally use against it called diltiazem or verapamil because it weakens the heart more. So... I would say this. Yes, it's good to be concerned, but before you throw it away, 
talk to your doctor because he or she may be so smart and so dedicated to watching over you that it's going to be safe. But, yes, you're right. This medicine is more dangerous than Eliquis. Benny, I have a question. I'm the non-medical fella here. Yeah. Did you get it filled? Yes, I did. You... And that's what, after I read all the instructions yeah. and everything, and then I went you... back to my doctor that I go to in Raleigh, which I've been going to ever since 1980. I'm 84 years old. Oh, my. You don't sound yeah. like it. Uh, and he wanted to give me this. I have aphid once in a while, not yeah. all the time, but once yeah. in a while. And, and when he it happens, to give me this this time when I went yeah. back to it. Let me ask you a question. When it happens, does it go real fast? I mean, does it make you dizzy? Uh, it's real fast, boy. You yeah. can really feel it in your neck and everything, yeah. and in your chest. Yeah. But after I take my metoprol, uh, in about an hour or an hour and a half, it'll slow that heart down. Yeah. Uh huh. Well, let's do this. Go to your doctor and say you have concerns. And make sure that he or she answers their concerns about this medication. Benny, thank you very much for joining us. You can get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation and get some free advice. Dr. Weefald is not going to diagnose you, nor will he encourage you to stop any medicine without talking to your doctor. Please do. This is Heart Health Radio. Now back to Heart Health. Have a question for Dr. Weefald? Call 919-860-9783. This is the Heart Health Radio Network. This radio program is on Apple Podcasts or at hearthealthradio.com. And today we're on Facebook Live. And soon the Facebook Live Feature is going to be really sharp. So we're getting a whole little mini studio here. We're going to have three cameras rocking and rolling, and we're going to have – you can put the computer on there, too. That's right. We'll we'll have – when Dr. Weefall talks about an article, we might have it up on the screen. But that's going to be a fun thing. Also, by the way, if you're not listening to this show right now, if you're not listening to it on Saturday afternoon at about 1235, that means that this is the number you want to call – If you have a question, 919-745-7422. Jerry and Wendell, how you doing, Jerry? It's Uh good to to have you on. No, he's here. Hi, Jerry. You know, it's possible Jerry walked away from the phone. I'm going to try it again. Hi, Jerry. How you doing? Okay, I'm going to put him on hold because sometimes what happens is you got to jiggle the handle. Hi, Jerry. Welcome to the show. I think Jerry is probably going to get a Mountain Dew. I don't blame him. Yeah. Of course, if it was me, it would right. be a Dr. Pepper. All right. We can talk now about something that that came up in our research. Can we hear just a little bit of John Wayne in this Your film? Will kindle into love. Before that day dawns, Mongol. The vultures will have feasted on your heart. John Wayne as Genghis Khan. Now, that is the weirdest thing in the world. He he couldn't do that today. That's called cultural appropriation. Now, I'm Asian. I don't mind if white people play Asians, but a lot of Asians (laughs) do mind. Did you ever see him? He looks so goofy. Yeah, he grew the mustache. You know, the mustache is missing in the center. Right. And and then it comes down around the side yeah. of his mouth. Fu Manchu. It's, right, a Fu Manchu. Yeah. All right. 
So what did you find out about this well, movie? It, the movie was terrible, uh, but that's not the point. Um, it was filmed not in Mongolia, but it was filmed in an area in Utah that was downwind from atomic explosions. And no. so the whole area, back yeah. then, they were blowing up A-bombs in the U.S. to yeah. test them. Yeah. That area had been radioactive. And I guess the government didn't want to tell them. Oh, you're going to Utah. Great. Good idea, John. Uh, we're not following you, but uh, we don't like Genghis Khan. So what happened? Three times the rate of cancer. Okay, So they had bone cancers. They had leukemias, which is a blood cancer. John yeah. Wayne caught lung cancer, although he smoked. Yeah. But here's the bottom line. It is true yeah. that high doses of radiation – lead to cancer and mm-hmm. it, it makes sense um i've had radiation exposure that damaged my body when you do heart stuff pacemakers yeah when you do cardiac catheterizations and stents you've got to use a high powered radiation source to right. create an image uh where you can follow what you're doing on a tv screen and so um, it damaged my production of testosterone, so I have to be on testosterone supplements. So a lot of people say, why don't you go back and start doing your heart catheterizations again? And that's one of the reasons. I, you know, There are some cardiologists who've gotten leukemia. So here's the bottom line is that poor John Wayne and all those people, 90 people died. I think there were about 500 people involved in the, the study. That's sure. huge. And that's greater than three times the rate that you would expect in the general population. So yeah. okay. we need to be careful about radiation exposure. For All example, right. Right. if you've had 10 CTs, that's not good. Yeah, not, oh, really? It's not means it's going to kill you. But we really do need to reduce our radiation exposure as much as possible. And, you know, as a public service, I just want to announce that in the Alexander household, we make a habit of closing the microwave door. Yeah, the microwave's not the same thing. Oh, it's not? Oh, you okay. mean closing the door? Yeah, we well, closed the, the door. the thing is, did you hear a guy put his head in the microwave because he oh. wanted to prove it was safe? And? He died. Okay. The microwave will fry your brain if you put your brain inside the microwave. There's no doubt. Jerry and Wendell, He's back. save us. Can you hear me now? I yeah, can hear you sorry now. about that. How you doing? Great. Uh, I, I had a nasty fall about six weeks ago. Ouch. And I, my arm, wrist, everything uh, recovered, but my back uh, just would not seem to recover or let me out of pain. So uh-huh. I ended up at a uh, back and uh, spine. Actually, he was a surgeon. He ordered an MRI. Yeah. And uh, the next day, they called and said, uh, "What you've got is arthritis. It's uh-huh. fine." Okay. So my question is, this Tylenol and other stuff is not working. Yeah. What, is there something I can take for this continuous pain? It's terrible. Uh, pain is terrible. People, And, you know, the thing is, pain is subjective, right? I sure wish that people could put on, like, a, a sticker thing and run a wire from one guy to the next guy or gal. Yeah. And so they could experience your pain. Because it's terrible. Back pain is one of the worst because your back is the core. That's what they sure. call it, the, the people who pump iron. It's the core. And 
I mean, anytime you move, it affects your back. So arthritis in the back, what does that mean? That means you've got, you've had inflammation that has caused the bones to spur up a little bit, and then they rub against the nerves, and it hurts. Let me tell you what works the best, at least initially, is physical therapy. Have they recommended that for you? Well, I'm very active. Uh, I was a weightlifter. Oh, that's where you got your arthritis in your back. Yeah. But no, physical therapy is a specific thing because it's the muscles that spasm in response to the pain. And so what they do in physical therapy is they teach you, number one, these specific exercises to do to try to relieve some of the pressure on the bones of the spine that are um, rubbing against or compressing those nerves and causing pain. And they do manipulations, and they can find out, you know, where the muscles aren't doing well, where the bones are misaligned. And I will say this, chiropractic treatments work well, too. So that's one thing I'd recommend. But the other thing I would recommend is you not rely on narcotic painkillers unless it's a last resort. Now, it doesn't sound like they want to operate on you. I was worried that you had what's called a compression fracture where the bones uh, in the spines actually collapse, and that can be fixed uh, pretty easily in a non-surgical way. But I tell you, the, this, the other thing I'd go to is that since you have arthritis in the back, inflammation is a big part of it. We've talked about this before. There are several proven anti-inflammatory uh, things you can take that are supplements, turmeric, ginger, and milk thistle. And people are going to be laughing at me who are chemical people like I am, but it's been proven. Okay, mm-hmm. so the American Society of Neurosurgery, I, I may be mis, misrepresenting it, I don't know the, the name exactly, has endorsed using these medicines, which I call them, but they turn out to be an herb, which is milk thistle, and turmeric, which is a spice, and ginger, which is a spice or a vegetable. I don't know what it is. So you might try those things, um, and I can sort of not get in trouble for prescribing them. I'm not really prescribing. They're over the counter, and they really have don't have side effects, and you can sort of read um, how to do it. Um, Tylenol masks pain, so it doesn't reduce inflammation. But before you start taking Advil or Aleve, you need to check with your doctor to make sure it's safe. But, you know, I think physical therapy is the way to go, especially if you're post a fall, because you could have some problems with the muscles in your back that are misaligning your spine. But I tell you, I've had back pain, and it stinks. I hate it. So I'm sympathetic. Jerry, thanks for the call. All right. Thank you. All right. Take care. Listen, I got a question about his situation. Does it make sense that arthritis, which is a long-term thing, long-term condition, Mm -hmm. would be inflamed by an injury? Yes. It does? Yeah. Because when you get injured, okay, what happens? Your muscles get bruised. Your bones get bruised. There's a healing process. Okay. So these – and it's part of the immune system. And these cells move in and start to chew up and kill the dead ones and then revitalize the cells to grow back, and a lot of them do. Now, we can't grow an arm like an amphibian can. But when that happens, there are uncertain individuals where, just like in COVID, what's the problem with COVID? Too much inflammation. Right. So any injury will induce inflammation, and that's good as long as it stays at a low level because the inflammation is like a signal from 
one um, uh, cell that's helping to rebuild. It's saying, come on, guys and gals. I need your help to rebuild. Now, in COVID, the virus can stimulate so much inflammation that so many immune cells start chewing up the good cells. And so inflammation is good in low levels, but terrible in high levels. Sort of like sugar. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. We're going to talk about uh, gabapentin, which is a pain related medicine that i noticed i didn't bring that up right because it's unrelated even i the non-doctor here understand gabapentin which is what i take because of neuropathy neuropathy the the pain in my feet we'll talk about that in the segment called i'm dave's drug which i think is a great it's a great thing i'm gonna run out of medicine in my medicine cabinet i just prescribe more Oh, good idea. Good idea. (laughs) Even if you don't need them. Even if I don't need them, as long as they're my drug. 919-860-9783. If you're from the medical board and you want to complain, dial that number right now. Really? No. And talk to Dr. Franklin Weefall (laughs) and Dave Alexander. And get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation on the Heart Health Radio Network. You know you make me wanna kick my heels up and down, throw my hands up and down, throw my head back and down. Come on now, don't forget to say you will. You can listen to Heart Health Radio on Apple Podcasts or at HeartHealthRadio.com. Doctor Weefold, who we shouting out? Well, uh, everybody seems to know by now. I hope so. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, Supreme Court, second woman on the Supreme Court, appointed by Bill Clinton, mm-hmm. uh, a liberal, um, and a fantastic human being, a great American, has died. And I think that what we all need to look at here is she was the opposite of the political climate we have today. Now, she did say some bad things about President Trump early on, and she well. she didn't walk back on him. She said, I shouldn't have said that, because she is one of the was one of the branches of government we have in case you don't remember, we have a tripartite government balance of power. We have the executive, which is the president. We have the legislative, which is the Congress. And we have the Supreme Court. Now, she disagreed with Antonin Scalia. Scalia was a, r- a rigid structuralist. He wanted to just say the court had no business creating legislation. Mm-hmm. And she disagreed. She felt as though we sh- the uh, Constitution was a living document they had the right to say, yes, we should do that, even though it hasn't been legislated. But here's the key thing. She was best friends with Scalia. And what happens today? Today, I mean, my family doesn't talk to me right now. Really? Because they're liberals and socialists, and I understand where they're coming from, but I'm a conservative. And when I say things, I'm a racist, you know, white supremacist. Now, I don't know which half of me. Is the white supremacist? Is it the upper half, the lower half, the right, or the left? Doctor Weefold's mom is was, Chinese. Is Chinese? My dad was Norwegian. Now, <laughs> uh, but that's America now, right? That is America. That's sad. She and Scalia not only got along. Yeah. I mean, they had New Year's together and everything. And so this is the point I'm trying to make. What was what's missing today is love and the understanding that we can all be different and we can all have just. Completely opposite political opinions. Yeah. I mean, you know, and and still love each other. Now, the thing that I think to me as a physician, and I'm going beyond here being an American citizen, 
that she fought a tremendous health battle and stayed tuned into her career. I mean, yeah. she worked up until a month ago. Right. I mean, even probably sooner than that. She was diagnosed with colon cancer at when just after, I think, or maybe just before she got nominated 24 years ago in a routine evaluation. And it was stage two. So what that meant was that it, it had gotten into the wall of the colon but not out. And they took that out. She had a semicolon after that. Um, and then <laughs> later surgery, on, surgery jokes are so good. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> not to be disrespectful. No, no, no. I'm not. And then she developed pancreatic cancer. And it was caught early on an examination. Yeah. And they took it out. And she was cancer-free for a long time. Now, she fell and broke her ribs uh, a few years ago, and they discovered lung cancer. So she had what's called a lobectomy, where they took out the lobe that contained the cancer. They cured that. So they cured her colon cancer with surgery. Yeah. They cured her lung cancer with surgery, um, and they thought they had cured her pancreatic cancer. But unfortunately, and this is the key thing about cancer, is that you know, 15 years later, 10 years later, especially with breast cancer, there was a piece hiding, a yeah. metastasis. And they found out recently she, it had gone to the liver. And she said, I'm going out with my boots on. I'm not quitting. Right. I'm going to work. I mean, her mind was just incredibly sharp and mm-hmm. brilliant. And so the lesson for all of us is you can get cancer. You can get, mm-hmm. I mean, colon cancer. You can get lung cancer. You can get pancreatic cancer, and you can live mm-hmm. to the age of 87. Wow. Now, just think about this. Yeah. If she were growing up in the 20s, she would have been dead from the colon cancer. There's just no doubt about sure. it. Sure. So not only was she a great American, she was a great example of American medicine and what we can do in this country. And, and whether you want to believe it or not, and whether you're for socialized medicine or not, and I respect you if you are, because mm-hmm. I understand where that comes from. It comes from the desire to have everyone have insurance. Now, I desire to have everyone have insurance, but I go for, for it, go for it for a different, um, in a different manner. But you can live in this country long time, and we mm-hmm. don't have "quote unquote" as high a um, uh, age. What's it called? Um, when you live long enough, <laughs> you know. Our life expectancy. Our life expectancy is, is lower than it's lower other than places. Other countries. But if you look at Sweden, they have a homogeneous population. Mm-hmm. They don't have um, uh, a group of people, and unfairly and unjustly so, in this country, who don't have uh, the health that we have. So, the bottom line is: Ruth Bader Ginsburg was a great American, a wonderful human being. And, and from a medical point of view, was a tremendous success. And God bless her. And I know she's with Antonin Scalia now. Mm-hmm. Telling uh, stories, right? Yeah, and joking around. Gabapentin is a medicine that I don't take every day. How come? Because my feet don't hurt every day. Aha. Aha. Yeah? Now, not you. No. But maybe a patient like you. Okay. Somebody who's... Yeah. 57 or so diabetic heart disease. I recommend that they take it every day. You know why? Why? To prevent the pain from coming back. Yeah, okay. So gabapentin, what's that? Neurontin came out about 20 years ago. It's an anti-seizure drug. 
the way it works is it mimics a negative uh, protein in your body that prevents too much electrical activity. So what is epilepsy or seizures? Too much electrical activity. And it worked. But then it also worked in other things. It worked on depression. It worked on – and not for everybody, but yeah. for some people. It worked on seizures, etc. Well, then they found out a lot of people who had seizures who also had a neuropathy – and what's a neuropathy? That's when the nerves in your legs and feet overreact, and they put out a pain signal when there's no pain. Well, no, there's pain, but there's no reason for the pain. And right. The diabetics get it because it seems as though excess sugar poisons the outside of the nerve endings mm-hmm. to prevent them from firing too much. Yeah. So gabapentin mimics the negative protein that prevents too much nerve firing, but here's the problem. Um, it doesn't always work for everybody. Now, you take it. How long does it take for your pain to go away? I don't know. I take it and I can go to sleep. Oh, uh, because there is a side effect that some people, it makes them drowsy. Now, when I have patients with neuropathy, I tell them to take it every day. And the usual dose, you start off with 100 milligrams three times a day. Sometimes four times a day, you take some at bedtime. Because yeah. a lot of neuropathic pain is worse during sleep. I don't know why. But it keeps you from sleeping, which makes your whole life terrible. So yeah. I don't know. Talk to your doctor about whether you should take it four, three times a day to prevent the pain from coming on. I'm always because the bottle says can cause dizziness. It can. Any medicine can cause dizziness. Well, I'm not going to take it and frequent. drive. All right. So you know what you do? What? Take it on a weekend. Take it. And again, I'm not yeah. prescribing. For no, no, no. You're just. But talk to your doctor about the possibility of taking Three of them a day. I mean, you know, what's your dose? A hundred? It's a hundred, but I've got a yeah. hundred three times a day. And Try I just, it. yeah. On a weekend, we, if you were dizzy, you can still just watch Notre Dame football. Sure, yeah. And yeah. Pam Van Hoke, Van Hoke, Hoke is yeah. watching. She's our transcriptionist. I see her on Facebook Live. Yeah, great. Go Notre Dame. She hates Notre Dame. Oh, she she lives <laughs> in South Bend, Mishawaka, and hates Notre Dame. All right. A short time left in this radio show. I want to mention this. There's been a bacterial outbreak after a factory leak in China. Right. Is it time to give up on factories in China and not Uh, buy stuff from them? I think it's time to give up on factories in China for the most part. Yeah. Because uh, I think we should have factories in the United States. That's a good idea. And so, you know, uh, let me give you an example. Uh, The iPhone. It's made in China. It used to be made in the United States. Yeah. Okay. And what do they say? Well, you know, they only make a dollar an hour. We'd have to pay somebody $25 an hour here. But, of course, our productivity is higher. So you can, for $25 an hour, you can have 12 iPhones made in an hour, whereas you're going to have one in China. But I'm just, that's yeah. exaggeration. $10 an iPhone. Okay. It's $10 an iPhone cheaper to have it made in China shipped overseas to us and then distributed. Well, what happens? Uh, you know, there's no there, – there are so few regulations in China, okay? Right. So what happens? They live in a dormitory making a dollar a day. Yep. They get woken up in the middle of the night to go back to work if there's a, a mess. There's, and, you know, I mean, is it slave labor? I don't know. There is slave labor in China. There are prisons that are making iPhones, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, you know, th- they're so lax. They are so lax in their regulations. So now they have uh, Malta fever, uh, Mediterranean fever, which is brucellosis. 
That comes from cows and from what is it, buffalo. Okay. Yeah. And it's bad. And it's just leaked out and infected a whole bunch of people. It's controversial. Um, people don't believe it, but I think it's possible that the coronavirus leaked out from mm-hmm. a lab that did not have good safeguards. So we got to wise up. Um, yeah. You know, the whole, all these world traders, free traders, mm-hmm. we're uh, losing our American way of life. All right, folks. Heart Health Radio is going to be on next week. So tune in next week, an hour ago, and you'll hear a brand new show on Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. Heart Health Radio is for information purposes only. Before taking any action, consult your doctor.